Hello, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing tonight? Welcome to the Wednesday night service. We are going to have a blast tonight uh, studying the Word of God and getting built up. I mean, how many people, Wednesday, it's your midweek fill-up time. You come in, amen, you get a good boost from the Word of God and the fellowship of the Christians, and we make it through the rest of the week, hallelujah. Well, good deal. Who had a great time on Resurrection Sunday, man? Did you see that? Wow. God was awesome. We had eight people give their lives to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Amen. And just an awesome, great turnout. And, and we give all the glory to Jesus. But he did some miraculous things on Sunday. It was great. Amen. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Can we stand up together tonight and do that? Amen. Who believes that America is coming to Jesus? Then you're at the right place because I believe that too. Amen. All right. Let's speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. UABCD. Thank you. All right. Well, who knows what's going on Sunday morning? Amen. Dr. Barclay is going to be here right out of Michigan, and he's going to be bringing the word of God. We're going to have an awesome time, so don't miss out. Invite somebody. Bring somebody. Make sure you are here. What a follow-up to our Easter service to have him right here on Sunday morning, and we are super, super excited. So whatever you do, be here Sunday morning. And then the, uh, the Holy Spirit Conference is coming up. April 13th through 16th down there in Vista, close to Oceanside. And I know a lot of people from the church are uh, going to be going down there together. I don't know who all and how many, but a lot of people are. And so that'll be Tuesday the 13th through Friday the 16th. And even if you can go for one day, maybe some people can go the whole time. Some people can go a day or two, but either way, you won't regret it. It'll be an awesome time, and uh, we encourage everybody to go. They do have children's services also for the kids during the nighttime services down there, but not the daytime ones. So anyway, it will be fantastic. Don't miss out. God's doing some big stuff right now. Have you caught on to that? God's doing some big stuff right now. Amen. All right. Any ladies in the house? All right. Guess what, ladies? There's no women's meeting on Friday. So I just wanted to tell you that. They sent me out here to be the bearer of that news. So anyway, uh, my mom said there's a lot of ladies on spring break stuff with the kids and everything. So they're going to pause that for Friday night, but they'll be doing it next month. But are there any ladies in the house? Okay. Are there any moms in the house? Specifically moms of sons. Okay, then I'm talking to you. Now, uh, Mother's Day weekend, I believe it is, it's Saturday, May 8th, we're going to be having a mother and son pancake breakfast. Yeah. So if you are a mom, specifically of a son, uh, we're going to have a pancake breakfast. I'll have more details and information. Titus, you're the son of a, of a mom, right? Okay, so very good. All right. So you'll get to come to that. But, um, you know, usually my mom switches it up every, you know, one year she'll do a mom and daughter thing. The next year, mother-son. Well, last year we didn't get to do one because of, you know, uh, unfortunately being locked down for a little bit there. I don't know if you heard about that, but some people, you know, were quarantined. So anyway, uh, we didn't do it last year, but we are going to be doing a mother-son pancake breakfast. We'll give you more details over the next few weeks, but we're getting right back on track and even further than we've ever been before. All right. Now, last little detail. Um, we, I, we, I heard uh, news from the AC manufacturers because, as you know, um, we are we have six brand new units, and guess what? We're getting six more because we can't use these ones. Come on, somebody! That's how, that's how cutting edge we are. 
I don't know anybody as cutting edge as, as we are where we're like, you know what, those are two weeks old. Let's just get new ones. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to be uh, – there, there was an electrical issue, long story short. I don't want to go into all that. But three of the six are complete uh, as of last I heard, and we should have the other three coming in really soon because we're getting this close to needing air conditioning. I, I did, or you know, you know what I mean? We're this close to it. So anyway, we will have those very, very, very soon, and it's going to be awesome and incredible. All right? Praise God. Who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time. Well, what's happy time? That's when we get a chance to give our tithes and our offerings to Jesus. Open up your Bible tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will give you one. If you're giving online or over your phone, you can go to hcwc.org slash giving. You can give by a card on there if you'd like to. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at a few verses here, starting at verse 3. I'm in the NLT on this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm going to start at verse 3. And what we have here is the Paul was going around to different churches. They were taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem because they had kind of got themselves in a bad financial situation. Won't go into all that, but they made some bad financial moves. <laughs> the church of Jerusalem did. So... Paul's going from church to church, and they're collecting an offering. So he gets to the Corinthian church, and these guys, they didn't have much money, but Paul was shocked because they were so eager to give. These people loved giving, even though they weren't the richest people in the world. And I'm like, man, that's phenomenal. I love this because when Jesus has a hold of your heart, you're a giver. You see a good work. You see a good ministry. You're like, hey, I want, I want in on that. I want to invest in that. And so here we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm going to look here at verse 3, and Paul's talking. He says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Look at verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gifts for the believers in Jerusalem. And so apparently this church he's talking about, they saw giving as a privilege, not an obligation. They're like, Please, let us, let us, let us give into this offering. Please, don't look over us. Please, let us give into this. It's a privilege to give into the things of God. And I'm like, man, you could do some stuff with some people like that. Verse 5, it says, they even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. But look at verse 6, a very interesting phrase in verse 6. So we have urged Titus, Titus, where are you at? There he is. Okay, so we, the, we urged, they urged young Titus. He's only like 10 or 11 years old right now. 2,000 years ago, he was negative 1,990 years. So he was a very young man, very young man at that point in time. Very young. He's grown since then, but praise God. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. This ministry. So within a few verses there, Paul refers to giving as a privilege, and then he calls it a ministry. There's literally a ministry of giving. And so when we as Christians have that heart and that attitude, God can do some mighty powerful things through us. Even if we're not the richest people in the world, God can do something with that heart. Amen? And so I love it, and that just reminds me so much of what God accomplished right here a few weeks ago when we were able to get all the money for those ACs in that short amount of time because it's a privilege to give, and it's a ministry to give, and God will bless us for doing it. Can somebody say amen tonight? Let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings, then we're going to get into a phenomenal time of praise and worship. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Here we go. Let's all just stand up together and worship the Lord.
justified by faith through Jesus Christ. For it's only by his grace we stand. Once bound by sin and shame, now slaves to righteousness, our faith perfected by his love. Praise the Savior, he has won. Our sin defeated through his blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise his name. While we were weak, he died, making us reconcile to God for all eternal days. You are welcome. 
It is a gift and a privilege to be able to even come into your presence, God, because we don't deserve that on our own, but you make yourself available to us, and we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Father. As we were singing there, I was thinking of a verse here, a couple of verses in Psalm 31. I, uh, I stumbled across these in March of 2020, and these were pretty powerful to me. It's Psalm 31. And verse 19, it says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Is there anyone here that fears the Lord? I fear God. Amen. My whole life is based upon respecting God and his commands. It says, you lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. Verse 20, you hide them in the shelter of your presence. The shelter of your presence. Just being in the presence of God is a shelter. We see time and time again in Psalms, especially Psalms with Proverbs and other books, where God talks about you've got to get into the shelter. You've got to be in the shelter. And I'm always like, that sounds great. I want to be in the shelter, but how do I get in there? You get in to the shelter by getting in to the presence of God. And when you are in the shelter, no evil can come near you. No plague can come near your dwelling. You always win in the shelter of the Most High. And so it says, you hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. Is there something or someone that conspires against you? Get into the shelter. It says, your shel- you shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. And so I encourage us tonight, if you're like, well, you know, the presence of God, that sounds kind of neat, but I don't know if that's really my thing. It better be your thing, because we live in the end times, brother. We live in the last days, sister. Getting into the presence of God better become your thing real quick, because that's the safest place you can be. And so that's why we've had so much... I don't know, faith, so much uh, freedom from fear and anxiety and stress because we're too busy in the shelter of the Most High hanging out with Jesus that I'm not worried about all that stuff. I've got Jesus on my mind and my heart and all around me. Amen. The presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's raise our hands one more time. We say this tonight, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We want your presence in the name of Jesus. We want you to say what needs to be said, to do what needs to be done. We ask you tonight, God, have your way in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Change us tonight, Lord, in your presence. Change us tonight in the shelter of the Most High. We don't want to stay how we are. We want to be better than what we were yesterday. We want to become more and more like you. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody give the Lord some praise tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Well, who's glad they came to church tonight? I'm really glad. I'm really glad. My wife's having me plant grass seed this week. This is a great break for me, man. I've been out there... (laughs) All right. I don't know if she's going to watch this later, so pretend that didn't happen. But anyway, so the 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 message tonight, the, I'll go ahead and throw it up on the screen, Heather. So the message tonight, the title is this, Focus Challenged Christians. Focus Challenged Christians. Now, I had an original title for this, and I figured that's bound to offend somebody. I was going to originally call it ADD Christianity, but I just thought that would probably make somebody somewhere mad at me. Someone watching online, somebody somewhere would get mad at me for that. So uh, I, I changed the title to a more nicely worded, Focus Challenged Christians. Now, you know, we all know little kids have short attention spans, right? I mean, we know this if you work in kids' ministry or if you're a parent or if you're around kids at all. They have a very short attention span. They may be focused and zeroed in on something hardcore for like 25 seconds. But then, you know, then they, they, something else gets their attention. And so, you know, a, a productive day for a little kid is what, you know, coloring two or three pictures, you know, fully drinking your juice box and having your fruit snacks and taking a good nap. If you could accomplish a few, I mean, that's a good productive day. Because they can't focus on anything that long. And, you know, as cute and silly and funny as it is with a little kid, sadly, as adults, and, uh, you know, we have we have some adults that are focus-challenged. And guess what? I'm going to put myself on blast. I am one of them. 
<laughs> I have a really hard time, and I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't uh, identify that until I was about 30 years old. But praise God, it took a minute. But the, you know, the first step is just, you know, admitting that hey, I've got a problem. And so I, 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 I realize that it's real easy for me to be all in on something, and then something else pops up, and I'm like, uh, okay, so then I'm over here in this direction, and and I'm working on that because I don't want to be that way. I want to be able to complete task as an adult man, you know, on the natural level, uh, you know, but you start one project on this end of the house and then you, you leave it for a year or two. Then you go down here and you, and you got projects everywhere. You know, it's, that's not life or death as, you know, uh, remodeling your home. But when you are spiritually challenged by not being able to keep focus spiritually, then it really does become a problem. Because you are all over the place. In fact, Jesus' half-brother James said this, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And when we can't keep focus on what God has called us to do and what the Bible has told us to do, but we're always just, oh, I'm going to do this now. And, oh, I'm over here. And, God, I promised you this, but I forgot about that, so now I'm over here. And I know I made a commitment to do this, but now I forget about that, so I'm over And when you are all over the place and can't keep focus spiritually as a Christian, you will be double-minded. And when you're double-minded, you're not unstable in some of the things you do. According to James, you're unstable in all of your ways. And so one thing, you know, as as a pastor and, and, and a Christian and, and, and someone that's teaching the word of God, the main goal here is to get people born again, right? Which we, praise God, eight people Sunday. I've been running laps all week long. I can't get over that one. I love that. But another goal in preaching the gospel is to get people to mature and to grow, right? Who wants to grow in the Lord? You don't, I don't want to stay where I was last year. Hopefully, I'm further along than where I was five years ago. But as we tackle that goal in studying the Bible together, it is very, uh, very critical that we as Christians can stay focused in on what the Lord has called us to and what the Bible has told us to do. You've got to stay focused on what God has called you to do and to be, all right? And so we're going to pray tonight, and then I'm going to get into the Word of God here. We're going to look at a few uh, keys in helping you to stay focused so you're not a dog chasing your tail in circles all the time. You're not getting anywhere, all right? We don't want to be like that. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much so much for the word of God. We thank you that we have a church family to surround ourselves with, uh, a place that we can come and worship you and hear your word. And God, I pray tonight that as we study the word of God, you're going to speak to each person here, each person listening online. Lord, I pray that you will challenge us and you will correct us, God, and help us to be better. Help us to be more like you. Help us to grow up so we don't stay the exact same for the rest of our Christian days, Lord. Help us to grow in you tonight in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, all right? So number one tonight is this. First of all, you know, if you're not too ashamed to admit it, and if you don't want to raise your hand, it's not mandatory, but who in here you could be like me and say, I can admit that I have had trouble focusing and staying on the exact same thing. Okay, very good. Good to know that I'm not alone, all right? That's awesome, thank you. Uh, but but the number one thing we're going to say tonight, first of all, is this. Number one, even as a Christian, you have to watch out for distractions. There are spiritual distractions, believe it or not, that will come up in your life. There are distractions all over the place. But I want to show you a verse here in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to look here at verse 25, Proverbs 4. And verse 25. And amen. Thank you, Dylan. Who else is excited about Proverbs tonight? I knew it. I knew you would be. I knew. You, you guys are a Proverbs-loving bunch of people. Is exactly what you are. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to look here at verse 25. Now, Solomon, uh, man, this was a guy that, of course, Scripture records him as being literally the wisest person that has ever lived. Think about that. This man, documented in scripture, is the wisest person that has ever lived. 
And so I like to listen to what this guy has to say. Proverbs 4, verse 25, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Now that is, I mean, that's some solid advice right there. And, you know, if you're familiar with farming, uh, you know, especially way back in the day, they, when they were using the mules to plow the fields, you know, farming nowadays is so uh, technologically advanced. My brothers use these, these uh, combines with GPS systems on them, and they just make perfect rows down the field, and they can basically just sit there and drink a Pepsi while their tractor is. It's a, the, the, the farming equipment is insane these days. But especially back in the day, they had to plow perfectly straight lines so you can get as much produce and product out of the field as possible and so when you're using a mule to do your plowing they're easily distracted he may be walking straight right now but then he sees a butterfly over there and so the mule starts going that way and now you just lost a whole row of corn that's a big deal if that's your livelihood so they would put what they called these blinders right on the mule or on the ox or whatever the animal was and it would it would block the peripheral vision of the animal so they could only see straight in front of them. And so because of that, it really knocked out a bunch of the distractions. And sometimes as Christians, we kind of need to do something like that. You know, we kind of need to focus straight on what's in front of us because God may have really have you studying a certain area right now for your life. Maybe God's really dealing with you about patience or maybe really dealing with you about your attitude or something like that. And, of course, maybe some well-meaning people come in and, you know, that's good what you're studying. But listen here, the hot new topic right now is grace. And you've got to study it. There's nothing else to study. You've got to study this. It's what all the hip new preachers are talking about. This is the hot topic relevant button of the day. You better study this right now. And you're like, okay, but I know God was talking to me about this, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be not cool in the Christian world. I guess I'll go study what all the cool kids are studying. And listen. That's a great topic, but spiritually, God is dealing with you to focus on what's on your heart. Have you ever had God totally dealing with a certain specific topic to you? And maybe that's not what everyone else is studying right now, but that's what God is dealing with you about. Word to the wise, you better start studying that for everything you've got. If God's dealing with you on how to walk in love, on how to use your faith, on how to give, on how to whatever... Listen, that is God talking to you. You better put on the, the, the blockers so you're not wandering everywhere else and focus on what God is talking to you about. It's serious to watch out for distractions. I can't even think about it this way. You know, there's there's pilots. One of my good friends in Indiana has, you know, just uh, completed a bunch of pilot stuff. So I've been seeing him online. But but pilots, you know, it is so imperative that they stay exactly on the flight course for their trip. Even one degree, right, Dylan? Dylan, he's got his pilot's license. Even one degree off course. That may not sound like a big deal, like one degree? Come on. What You're looking for perfection here? Well, yeah, when you're in the air, a couple thousand. Yeah, we're looking for perfection. But listen, even one degree off course Now, maybe going a few miles up the road, that may not seem that big of a deal. But over the long course of life, over the long course of the journey, you travel a couple thousand miles. You fly from L.A. to New York, and you're one degree off course. You're going to end up somewhere down by Florida or Cuba or something. Listen, it's a big deal. Well, how did I get here? I just don't know what happened here. That's not fair. God must have guided me. No, God was dealing with you. No, stay on this. Stay on this. And you kept going just a little bit, just a little bit. And listen, you've got to watch out for distractions in your life. Solomon, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon. And he said in Song of Solomon 2.15, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Well, what in the world does that mean? The little foxes spoil the vine. And what he's saying there is sometimes it's the little things that'll come in and trip your life up. Sometimes we're all prepared for, you know, the great big thing. Well, you know, I, I want to stay away from this and that for sure. But sometimes it's just the little foxes that come in, the little issues that can come in and spoil the vine and ruin the garden of your life. You've got to stay focused. Now, 
sometimes it's not even sinful things that distract us. That's what I'm talking about specifically right now, because we all know, I mean, if I, I think I could get a hearty amen if I was like, I believe that nobody in this room should go rob the bank tomorrow. I think everybody in here would say, amen, we agree with that. Hopefully you agree with that. If you don't agree with that, just don't do it, okay? So listen, but there's big things. That's like, duh, obvious. We know that. But sometimes there are even things that are not sinful, but they are distractions in our life. And that can throw you off enough to not finish what the Lord is speaking to your heart. So I want you to look with me tonight at Luke chapter 10. Can we turn to Luke chapter 10? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 38. And, and again, sometimes it's not the big sinful things that are the big distractions to us. Sometimes it's the little foxes. It's the little tiny things. But as we're growing, we are held more and more accountable. And so as you grow, man, there may be some things when you first come to the Lord that God kind of gives you some room on, kind of gives you a little bit of wiggle room on it because you just don't know any better yet. But then as you grow in the Lord, you know, you're, you're looking to become more and more like Jesus. You're held accountable for more than what you were back then. Who thinks that a 35-year-old man is held more accountable than a five-year-old boy. I mean, he's got to be. He's got to know more by now, right? And one time I had an atheist kind of debate me like, well, if God was so good, then why did he punish Moses for disobeying him? And Moses didn't even get to get into the promised land. Moses, who did so much for God, disobeyed God in something, and God said, Moses, that's it. You don't get to go in. Now, at first glance, that looks like, yeah, that is kind of unfair. I mean, he put his neck on the line. He... You know, he went into Egypt in that hostile environment. Moses did a lot for God. That's pretty kind of unfair. But listen, do you realize how accountable Moses had to be compared to the average person? This is one of the only people recorded in scripture that actually got to see the Lord. Nobody, I mean, it was from behind because if you look God in the face, you're going to die because his glory would just overtake you. But seriously, Moses had walked with God on a higher level than almost anybody has ever walked with God. He was held to a whole higher standard than everybody else. So yeah, when Moses disobeyed God blatantly on something God said, he was held to a different standard. Now, maybe if someone that just wasn't, you know, that close to God kind of didn't do what God said, well, God's going to deal with them. But Moses was on a different level. Now, I'm telling you, as a Christian, the higher we go with God, we're going to grow. Praise God. But we're going to be held accountable for more. And I want that. Somebody, you know, a carnal Christian would say, well, then I just won't grow. I don't want to be held accountable for very much. I just want to be. That's not the heart and the attitude to have, man. If you love Jesus, you want to grow. You want to be more and more and more like him. But yes, as we grow, we're held accountable for more. In fact, James put it this way. He said, brethren, not very many of you should become teachers in the church because people that are teachers are held to a higher standard. They're judged more strictly than everybody else. The Bible straight up says that. And so the further we go as Christians, man, we're held accountable for more. But praise God, that also means that Jesus can trust us with more. Amen. And I want Jesus to be able to look down and say, you know what? I can trust him to do this mission. I'm going to give it to him. And I know that he's going to do it for me. But we're talking about growth tonight and staying focused. Are you in Luke 10 yet? You should be. I gave you like 10 minutes. To, okay. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And this is the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus came over to their house. Luke 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? tell her to come and help me. Well, that seems like a pretty fair thing. I mean, they're both sisters. They're both in the same house. They're both hosting Jesus. Yet one of them is just sitting there at Jesus' feet, hanging on his every word. And the other one's cooking, cleaning, serving, and all this. And so she's like, that's not fair. 
But listen to what Jesus says. He doesn't agree with her. Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus didn't scold Mary. He didn't say, Mary, she's right. You are lazy. Why aren't you in there? You aren't in there cooking and cleaning. What's wrong with you, Mary? He didn't say that. He's like, listen. And what we have here is a classic, perfect example of something that's not sinful, but it is a distraction. Because sometimes something may be a good thing. Who thinks it's a good thing if Jesus comes over to cook and clean and be a great host to Jesus? Who thinks that that's... I think that's a really good thing. My house would shine like it has never shined before. All four of those kids and me and we'd be, and we'd, Katie, we'd be scrubbing. I mean, we'd do everything. That's great. But just because it's a good thing, sometimes it's not the most necessary thing. Because when Jesus is there, listen, the most necessary thing is listening to everything that he has to say. And so Jesus was like, I, Martha, I get it, but Mary has chose the most important thing right now. I'm not going to punish her. I'm not going to take that away from her. And so I'm looking at our lives tonight. Are there some distractions that they may be good things, but they aren't the most necessary and important thing right now? And there's a lot of good things that we do. You know, we volunteer at the, you know, whatever the community center, whatever it is you do, right? You do something, all right? And, and you know, they're good things. But sometimes we got to look at it and say, that's a good thing, but maybe it's not a God thing right now. Maybe there's something else a little bit more that God needs me to focus in on. And I can tell you this right now. If something is pulling you away from the word of God or from the house of God or the people of God, then I would tell you right now, that's probably not the most necessary thing for you, right? Because anything that's going to pull you away from the word of God, that can't be, he's going to push you more to the word of God, not pull you away from it, right? Well, I don't know, man. Should I take this job? Uh, You know, I mean, it requires me to work every Sunday morning and night and every Wednesday night. And and it requires me to do this, this, and this. And, and, uh, but uh, man, it, it pays $10 more an hour. What should I do? For me, I swear, that is a no brainer you could pay me i'm and you think i'm joking i am not you could pay me a million dollars an hour and listen i would straight up turn that sucker down if it required that i could not come to church ever you know or be around my family i would say take your million and go give it to someone else but my faith and my christianity is not for sale my family is not for sale my marriage is not for sale amen there's no price tag on this stuff So, I mean, somebody needs to hear that right now that, listen, man, I don't know if it's from God or not. I mean, come on, it's going to pull me away from everything I hold near and dear, but it pays $4 an hour more. You would sell your family and your faith and your church time for $4 an hour? Hey, come on, that ain't worth it, man. That is not worth it. (laughs) That is not worth it. For $4? Did I tell you guys about my $30,000 cheeseburger? I'm not going to go into that tonight, but believe it or not, I had a cheeseburger cost me $30,000 in 2014. I'll share that story again sometime, but I'm not going to share it tonight. Come back some other time, and I'll share this this cheeseburger story. All right, number two, um, what we're talking about is staying focused, not being a focused, challenged Christian. Number two, don't quit when things get hard. Don't quit when things get hard. One saying that my parents taught me as a kid is tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you may be going through a tough time right now. It's not going to last. The tough time's not going to last. I can tell you that right now, that I've been through a lot of tough times, but none of them have lasted forever. Every single one of them, I've made it through. Well, why is that? Well, because, you know, first of all, tough times don't last. But number two, because Jesus has brought me out of every single one, literally every single one of them. But. If you give up, you're not going to make it through it. So let's flip over to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians 6. And so I know a lot of people that quit at the first sign of trouble. They're committed to something as long as it's fun and easy. I can commit to that. That sounds like fun. 
okay? But what if your commitment is no longer fun? Well, I, I could commit to reading my Bible for 10 minutes every morning, for an hour every morning. I could commit to doing this because that sounds like fun. I enjoy the book of Matthew, but what about when it's not fun anymore? If you make a promise to the Lord, I'm just going to go out and say this too. If you make a commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, I will do this for you, whether that be, God, I'm going to wake up 15 minutes extra every morning so I can read the Bible. God, I'm going to serve in the nursery at church. Notice I always use that example. Why? We need nursery workers and children's workers. Amen. Come on. Some... Right. Praise God. All right. I know you're coming. We're going to get you. So, But listen, if you make a commitment to the Lord, don't go back on that commitment. Don't do it. And, and so that's just something for us to think about. But, but, but don't just, you know, well, if it's fun and easy, I'll stick with it. Don't be like that. Don't quit when things get hard. Galatians 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6 and verse 9 in the King James And let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. In due season we shall reap, if we faint not. So you may have been standing in faith for something for years. Don't give up. The answer is coming. It's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now that as a Christian, there are some things, and I mean, I want to teach more on this, but... Sometimes there's a reason that you get an instant answer and an instant miracle. I've seen it happen, man. Prayed for people and seen instant stuff many, many times. But then there are other times when it doesn't happen instant. Does that mean that God's not as good, that God's not as real, or that, no, it doesn't mean any of those things. God's still going to come through for you, no doubt about it. But sometimes you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Well, for how long? That doesn't sound like fun. Well, sometimes you got to fight that good fight for a little while. Jesus was in hell for three days. You think that was fun? Well, three days isn't that. Three days in hell might as well be 300 years <laughs> in the worst thing that you've ever been through. Listen to me. Sometimes the answer, you've got to stand your ground. You've got to fight the fight of faith for a little while. And I have had to do that on some things for years, but I can say boldly and proudly right now with no fear of contradiction that every single time that I've come to God with a need, I have 100% of the time received an answer and God has 100% of the time come through for me. Instantly, sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes, again, it's taken years. But either way, he has always come through for me every single time. And guess what? Sometimes the instant answers, those are great. But sometimes those are also not in your best interest because sometimes when you've got to fight the fight of faith for a while, you learn how to be a warrior. You learn how to, be, uh, how to fight some battles for Jesus. I love the instant stuff. It's great. But sometimes when you've got a good fight on your hands and you've got to stick to it, man, listen, you become a warrior. You get really, really strong. Does faith come by trials? Please don't ever say that I said I didn't say that. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. But your faith does get stronger when you got to stand on the word of God. All right. That went over good. Let me just get back over here. All right. Praise God. So another good quote, winners never quit and quitters never win. I don't know anybody that I want to be like that's a quitter. I don't like quitters and I don't want to be like quitters because they don't ever win. Right? A winner, winners never quit. And quitters never win. Anyone who has ever been successful at something did not get there by being a crybaby quitter. Well, I just cried my way to the top. I just quit and quit and quit. And finally, they made me the CEO. And I'm here to just, I just want to give my, no, that's not how it works. Listen, anybody that I want to be like, anybody that I admire, they've had a lot of chances to quit, but they didn't do it. They stuck with it. I think about, man, think about our founding fathers. Think about someone like George Washington. They had some tough stuff happen, man. You ever study your U.S. history? You look at some of the battles that these guys went through. It was insane. They could have quit, but they didn't. And thank God they didn't because I love the United States. Now we could change some things. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to. But praise God, I love the United States. I've been to a lot of other countries. And guess what? Listen. I don't want to be like any of those other countries. I like the United States of America. And it's because our fathers 
did not quit. You know, my uh, one of my first classes in Bible school, well, it was orientation week, all right? And so we're all pumped up and we're going to be pastors. It's going to be, we're going to be missionaries. I know we're all pumped up and excited. There's several thousand of us new students. And so the dean of the college is a, at that time, a, he, a great man. He had done all this work in China and like been arrested and thrown in prison over there and all, just a tough dude. And so one of the very first things that he taught us first week, week number one, orientation week is listen. If you're looking for an easy ride and you're looking for fair, if you're looking for just smooth sailing, do not get into the ministry. Like, well, hey, well, you know, I'd grown up in it, so I kind of knew a little bit already. But I'm like, hey, well, that's not very encouraging. That's not what we wanted to hear that it's going to be smooth sailing and you're going to go straight to the top. He's like, the fair is where you go and ride rides and eat cotton candy. But that's not the ministry. And I'm telling you, whatever it is that God's called you to, maybe it's full-time ministry, maybe it's not. But either way, you've got to realize right now that if you're going to stay focused, you've got to get this idea of fairness out of your mind right now because it is not always fair because you've got an enemy called the devil and he doesn't care if you feel he's being fair or not. So, well, that's not fair. Leanne prayed and God answered her prayer right away. I know fair. Stop that mess, man. Stop that. Don't worry about fairness. Don't worry about anything. But focus on what is God speaking to your heart? What has the word of God told you to do? And I, you know, and I'm just telling you that it is not always smooth sailing. Over seven, in 2019, I don't know what the stats are after 2020. I don't want to look. But as of 2019, over 1,700 pastors quit the ministry per month in the United States. 1,700 quit per month in the United States. And so I'm saying that as a Christian, as whatever God's called you to do, it's not always easy, but you got to stick to what the Lord has called you to. Amen. And man, it is sweet when you don't quit. God is good. And due season comes if you don't faint. All right. Number three, number three, we got to go. Number three, complete the job that Jesus gave you. Complete the job that Jesus gave to you. You got to stick with it. Complete the job. What are we talking about? We're talking about being a focused Christian, not being a Christian that, you know, well, I think I'll do this this week. Now I'm going to go over here and do this. No, God called me to do this. Now God called me to do that. Just wandering all over the place. You're not getting anything done at all. Focus on what the Lord spoke to you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Who's with me still? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 11. But one of my favorite promises from the word of God, <laughs> the Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's beautiful. But I think it's even as beautiful when a Christian can look to God and say, you know what? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's powerful. We need to be able to say the exact same thing to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to get there myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 11. Now, we looked actually earlier about Paul taking up the offering, right, that he was talking about. This is in that same passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 11. He says, now you should finish what you started. That's almost a mic drop moment. I don't want to freak the sound guy out. Listen, say that with me. You should finish what you started. He said, let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving, given proportion to what you have. In this instance, he's talking about the collection of this offering. Okay, but we're talking about whatever it is that we've started for the Lord, whatever it is that God is using in us and through us and what God is using us to do, you should finish what you started. Don't leave the job halfway done. What if Noah only built half of the ark? That'd be bad. 
there's probably a lot of animals we wouldn't have in the earth right now. Well, guys, sorry, we don't have any room for the giraffes. You guys are out. Uh, you know, what if he had only done half the job? What if David only knocked Goliath down but didn't actually kill him? No, he finished the job. He said, I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. So he knocked him down, and then he went ahead and finished the job. Did Jesus only provide salvation from hell, or did Jesus take the stripes on his back and provide for our healing and our restoration and our peace also? Jesus finished the job. Jesus did the full thing. Jesus completed the mission. Jesus is no quitter. His family, the children of God, should also not be quitters. I'm here to encourage. I'm not here to make us feel. I'm here to encourage us tonight about staying focused, giving our absolute best. Because do you know that God, when he gave Jesus, what did he give? His absolute best. There was nothing more valuable that God possessed than his perfect, sinless Holy Son, Jesus. I mean, God's got some powerful stuff. He's got some beautiful mountains. He could have said, well, I'll sacrifice Mount Everest. That's a pretty nice thing that I own. I'll sacrifice this over there. I own all of the galaxy. I'll sacrifice. No, he gave the very best that he had. And so in our lives, I believe it's only fitting that we give God our very best in everything that we do. If we say, you know what, I'm going to sweep this floor and I'm going to do it for Jesus, you should sweep that floor like Jesus himself was coming in to that room. If you, you know, why? Because we're commanded in Colossians, whatever you say or do, do it as if you were doing it for the Lord. So your job, listen, if you can't stand your boss, okay, pretend that Jesus is your boss. How do you think your work ethic is going to be now? Listen, I would, if Jesus, well, you may not be able to stand him, but the Bible says you're not doing it for him. You're doing it as under the Lord. You're supposed to be doing it like you're doing it for Jesus. So why are you complaining and bad-mouthing the company and stealing time and fighting with everybody? Oh, wow. Okay. So listen, listen, that's something to think about. Maybe you don't like anybody there, but that's okay. If you like Jesus, that's a good enough reason to do your absolute best. If you're flipping burgers, flip those burgers for Jesus, brother. Come on, somebody. Listen, do your best because Jesus did his best. He gave his very best for us. And if you want to get promoted, if you want to go forward in life, you better do your best at the even if you're at the entry level position you're in right now. Well, they don't ever see my hard work anyway. Jesus does. No one ever appreciates me. Jesus appreciates it. And if you do your best for him, he'll get you out of that place and promote you somewhere else where they do appreciate you. But you better. But if you sit there and complain and and, and just kick stuff around and and have a bad attitude the whole time you're there, not only is the boss there not going to promote you, Jesus isn't going to promote you either. So that's something for us to consider as we're talking about being a focused Christian. It's 8 o'clock. Can we look at one more verse, please? Okay. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy. We got to go there. 2 Timothy. You know, I I didn't grow up watching this guy play baseball, but my dad did, and so he told me about it. There's this baseball player back in the 70s named Pete Rose, right? Cletus, am I right? He was real, real guy, right? Charlie Hustle. He had a gap in his two front teeth, all right? There was a big gap, but he was a good baseball player. Uh, there was a sign that said, next tooth, one mile, go that way. So anyway, he was, a, he was a good guy, good guy. But he got this nickname, Charlie Hustle, because he gave he was 110% all the time. If he was batting and he got walked, he took off running to first base like he had just hit the ball to the shortstop. And people are like, wait, what's he doing? That guy's crazy. He got walked. Most people set the bat down, walk up there, you know, whatever. But he was nonstop, 110%, just gave everything he had all the time. Now, I'm not saying he, he was a bad example in a lot of other areas, especially, if, you know, if you have a gambling addiction, you don't want to look at Pete Rose. But, uh, but what I am saying is this, is that he gave it all. And my dad always told me about, you know, hey, when you're playing ball, give it all, just like him. And so when we're doing something, we're doing it for Jesus as a mature Christian, 
we give it 100%, even if nobody else is ever going to see it, Jesus is going to see it. Second Timothy 4, verses 6 through 7. Second Timothy is the very last letter that Paul wrote, at least that we have a copy of. And his life was very close to coming to an end. But it's pretty important when you've got somebody like Paul, who's done, lived an incredible, incredible life. If they're giving you some of their final words before they die, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. Tell me every wise thing you can tell me right now. I want to know. Tell me everything you can tell me, Paul. And so some of Paul's last words, he says this, 2 Timothy 4 and verses 6 through 7. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Look at verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished, finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Um, what a thing to be able to say at your life, at the end of your life, that you know what? Maybe some people wouldn't consider me a success. I don't have five mansions and five private jets, and I don't have a billion dollars in the bank. But guess what I did do? I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I want to be able to say those words right there when my time comes someday. I want to, you know what, God, I finished the race. I have remained faithful. Well, how did Paul do that? Paul had distractions all over the place. He stayed focused on the call of God. And no matter what, he didn't give up. They beat him to a pulp. You saw the video on Sunday where they beat Jesus with the 39 stripes, the lashes. Paul had that happen five different times. But he didn't quit. He stuck with it. And so I'm telling you tonight, if we're going to grow in the Lord, we're going to have to focus and if you're brand new in the Lord, and this all sounds intimidating and big, hey, it's not intimidating and big. You just start where you're at. If you can commit to read one Bible verse today, praise God. Read that verse and do it. If you can commit to, well, you know what, I'm going to read five verses and I'm going to pray for five minutes. If that's where you're at, that's awesome. Start right there and do it. Well, I can commit to come to church once a week. Then do it. But as you grow, you're going to want to do more and more. And God is going to give you and bless you with more and more. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and kind of close out in prayer here. We've gone a little bit over time, but I think they'll forgive us. Amen. So we want to uh, remind you guys, of course, we got church on Sunday. Dr. Barclay's going to be here Sunday morning. Don't miss out. It's going to be awesome and powerful. Then, of course, we'll have our Sunday night service. Dr. Barclay won't be here for that. He's got to fly on out and head to the next. Uh, I think he's going over to Visalia to preach at a church over there. But uh, we want you guys to be here with us. Uh, Children's Church Sunday night. Lots of good stuff going on. But it is a great time to be in the house of the Lord and with the people of God. Amen. I'm going to pray over you tonight. Can you raise your hands? Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over everybody that's in this room right now. And God, as we just looked at your word, Lord, we know that we want to grow, God. We, some of us may be on a different level than others. Maybe none of us are on the same level. That's fine, God. We're not called to run our neighbor's race. I'm not called to be on, on someone else's level. I'm just called to be on the level that you've called me to be. And so, God, I pray that as we're all looking to grow, as we're all looking to move farther and farther with you, God, I pray that you encourage us tonight, that we see this as motivation to say, you know what, I want to commit to the Lord and I want to keep it. God, use us. And Lord, I pray for a blessing on every single person in here tonight. God, every household, every family, every marriage, every child. Lord, we thank you that your word says that your angels surround and protect us everywhere we go. Psalm 34 tells us that the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And so I thank you, Lord, that we are guarded, we are safe, we are protected in every possible way because of you. We love you, and we thank you for it tonight. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Who had a good time tonight? Praise the Lord.
All right, we're going to close out with speaking some words of faith over Barstow. And I just know that we're going to see you on Sunday, aren't we? All right, let's say this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday.